I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Snowman in the Morning, and it begins now. That's a spicy meatball! Excuse me, bitch! You know what? That makes me mad. I ask myself, is it worth it? I answer myself, yes, yes, it is worth it! Did you not get the memo? Good morning! Oops, a little too loud. Hold on just a second. Let me get a little bit. Okay, now, try again. Good morning! And welcome to the Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning as we close out our final off week. Uh, we're here in our Arena Sportsnet studios, but beginning Monday, January the 14th, uh, we're going to take to the road, and our first stop will be a familiar place where you've heard the show before, Terre Haute, Indiana. And we'll come to you live from the Holman Student Union in Terre Haute, Indiana. And we'll be there all week. And we got a couple of other places where we're going to stop on this January tour. So y'all be ready. We're going to have some fun. And the reason we're hitting the road, we're in the process of getting our studio fully situated. We just picked up a new syndicating partner in KSOS out of Salem, Oregon. Uh, they'll be housing the show beginning Super Bowl week. Give you more on that in a moment. Now, y'all have been wondering, hey, where you been, Snowman? Well, I want to say Happy New Year to everybody. And I also have an announcement to make. I'm not going to waste any time. I got Chris Dietz on the line. We're going to talk some football. But before that intense talk, I got this to say. And I never thought I had a chance to say it after the debacle that happened three years ago or three and a half years ago. But old snowman's getting married uh, this June. Um, popped the question to my beloved uh, day after New Year's. And she happily said yes. And so I'm tying the knot. And we're doing it on a very special day to me. More details to come along. We're finalizing details ourselves. So, ourselves. So that's what's been going on. That's a, a personal note that I want to pass along from me to y'all. And I want to thank the people that have supported us in this venture. Dr. K, my engineer, turning the dials with a pretty smile on her face. And let's get right into it. I've been waiting to have this man on for a long time now, especially over the Christmas holiday. Didn't get a chance to uh, record any podcasts or have them on the air. So we're going to do this on this Friday morning, especially with the college football season being in the books. we got a couple of NFL notes coming for you as well. I'll have Mike debate at the bottom of the show as uh, we break down um, divisional round weekend. But i got to have this fellow on, on the Verizon Wireless Hotline is my good friend Chris Dietz of the Fifth Down Sports Show. He now joins me live. What up, Chris? Hey, what's going on, Snowman? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Been a long haul, I'll tell you that much. Been an absolute long haul. But I'm happy, she's happy, and we're just gonna we're just gonna do this darn thing. So thank you. Hey, thank you to and thank go. you to everyone. All right, let's get into it. You and I had a very good discussion over our holiday 
about the Associated Press being an absolute joke. And I happen to agree with you, but I'm going to give you the floor for a few minutes. The Associated Press has just eroded. If there was any shred of credibility left after the uh, the end of this college football season has completely demolished, it's demolished all of all credibility that they have. I mean, we talked about the Heisman tr- uh, vote. We talked about their AP Coach of the Year debacle. Yep. And now you get their final poll, which is an absolute joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we're, I'm sure we're going to get into Clemson, Alabama. We all knew that. But how in the world did they come to the conclusion that Ohio State is the number three team in the country when they didn't even play in the tournament? Right. How do they – and then not only that, Notre Dame loses to Clemson, the eventual eventual national champion, and they drop to five, and Oklahoma gets four because they got throttled by Alabama. I mean, they didn't just lose to Alabama. They got throttled. It was 28 nothing before you could blink. Mm-hmm. And all that was in the first quarter. And somehow – they believe Ohio State and and Oklahoma are better teams than Notre Dame when Notre Dame's only loss was to Clemson, the national champion. Yep. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. And then at the end then the next then they had LSU and Georgia tied tied together mm-hmm. at seven. One, LSU won their bowl game, Georgia didn't. LSU beat Georgia head-to-head. Yep. Ball game. That's it. They, done. End of story. Then you get down the list even more. Texas is somehow below Georgia? Yep. I, explain this one to me. I just – did I not just watch Georgia absolutely run over George, Georgia? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just watched Texas run them over in a head-to-head matchup. And you want to tell me Texas is nine and Georgia seven? I mean, th- Georgia this didn't is, even get into the playoff. This is a ridiculous. It's just, it's just ridiculous. You can just keep going down the list of things that don't make sense. I mean, it, it, it it's like, and and to put Ohio State at three, the only reason I could see that is they looked at it and they said, well, Urban Meyer's leaving. We'll give it an. We'll give them a nod, which is n- not the way you do a poll. It's just not. It really isn't. If you're gonna be honest about it, you have to look at the teams that were involved. The top four should be the four that were in the playoff because that that's be, how it works. That would be Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. And I and have then, the same question you do. How the hell did Ohio State steal Notre Dame's spot? Hell, for that. Yeah, how, how did, did Ohio jump? State they steal? They beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Washington it wasn't wasn't even a factor in in college football from week one. And yes, they were the Pac Pac twelve champions or whatever. We all knew that the Pac twelve was a joke. Yeah, it was weak all year long. All year it was weak. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And then, and then for all of that, I mean, you had. Georgia only dropping two spots, mm-hmm. but you, you you want to get really fired up. How about 
UCF lost the only clo- the only close bowl game out of out of all the big time bowl games. Yep. UCF played the closest one the entire time. And they dropped to it 11. It was close the entire game. They dropped all the way down. They dropped behind Washington State. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what what world are we living in where these people can be trusted with anything? They can't. This it, poll, it, it, this poll proves joke. it. This poll proves they can't be trusted because how the hell are you going to drop UCF below Washington State? Like you said, how are you going to drop them below 10 in the first place given the fact that they played LSU to eight points in the Fiesta Bowl and they just had a 25-game uh, winning streak snapped and they dropped them all the way to 11. It's something you and I had talked about. They were looking for a reason to justify their bias against UCF. When LSU beat them, according to them, they got their reason. Yeah, and we and I, I talked about it on the show last week, uh, Fit Down Sports Show. Of course, Wednesday nights and replayed on the Arena Sports Network here. But I talked about it. Everybody wanted to say, well, look at the time of possession. These are people that never watched UCF play. Right. They, they sat there and said, look at the disparity in time of possession. And I went through it. I was like, dude, their longest scoring drive was a minute and 50 seconds. Mm-hmm. They're never going to win score time of possession. That's that's not, a st- that's not a stat that they care about. And it's not it, a stat that's important to them anyway. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's just ridiculous. But. The AP, we, we've talked about it, but this was pretty much the nail in the coffin. They they pretty much don't matter anymore. They really don't matter, and they never will matter to me. Let's go back to our Heisman Trophy discussion. We didn't get a chance to discuss it much because we talked about it on an express show, and I had like three other guests lined up. Who the hell won and who was supposed to win? I, I well, just need we just need to well, review this because I, I that mean, was a bit that was an even bigger joke or as big of a joke I should say yeah, as the final we, rankings. We talked we talked about Kyler Murray. I mean Kyler Murray had a great season and he is a gr- he had a great uh, uh, just to be be a guy who is already drafted to a major league baseball team. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to play baseball next year, right? Uh, so the story wrote itself that he had an amazing season. He had this amazing quarterback rating and all this, all this stuff. He had every stat you could think of. Yes. He had it. But then you have to examine the stat, the other stats, how he got those stats. And he got those stats based on the fact that he played in the fourth quarter of every game he played mm-hmm. all 13 of them. All 13 games he played in the fourth quarter. Exactly. Tua, Tua was like Tua was second to him in every category, and he never played in the fourth quarter. Didn't play in the fourth quarter all no. year long, and he was within striking distance of him. He and if you actually, I mean, 13 games. Think about that. 13 games. That's 13 fourth quarters. That's three extra games that he got over Tua. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's there's no way you can look at and and not to mention Alabama was destroying people so in the third quarters they were just handing the ball off mm-hmm. they weren't even trying to to score Oklahoma's defense was so bad that Kyler Murray had to throw for 
500 yards right. and seven touchdowns. He had to in order for them to win. Alabama only had to do that in the first half. It's a it's a ridiculous. It, again, they watch, they looked at the stats. They didn't watch the games. They didn't take context into any of their discussion, and they just went, all right, this guy's got better stats. We'll give it to him. Seems like it's been that way for about the last 10 years that I've watched the uh, Heisman Trophy voting and the Heisman Trophy presentation. Who had the better stats? Whoever had the better stats gets the, gets the Heisman Trophy. And many times the Heisman Many times the Heisman Trophy winner is someone, truthfully, that has flown under the radar. It just it, it happens just about every time. It has happened just about every time in the past ten years. Yeah, it, it they they give it to somebody. They give it to somebody who again it, it's the press voting for this, and it's people who have the best story. Mm-hmm. I mean. Everybody knows Tua is going to be back next year. Tua is going to have more chances to do this. Kyler Murray is just the better story because everybody's like, look at this guy. He's a first-round draft pick in the major leagues. I mean, it's just – and he decided to come back to play at Oklahoma. It's a great it's a great story, and he played great. You can't take that away from him. But you also can't take away the fact that Tua did everything that he did in – Shorter in amount 13 of time. Less, in thirteen less quarters. Right. You give two or thirteen more quarters, he's gonna he's gonna have Kyler Murray blown out of the water. Mm-hmm. And we saw that pretty much take shape in the in the first playoff game. Yep. We we, we saw what happened. So we did. We we absolutely did. And speaking of Tua and the Crimson Tide and the national championship. Let's go to this. The beatdown in the Bay. I mean, Clemson made Alabama look not only mortal, but human. Just think about this. When you when you think about that, that game, how much worse would that have been if Dexter Lawrence were playing? True. I mean, Clemson dominated the defensive line. If that... If, if that doesn't show you how important having a stud front four is, I, they didn't blitz all night. Every blitz they had got home, and they mm-hmm. they you know they didn't have to blitz. No, they really most didn't. Of, most of the time, they were dropping in zone and just and they were getting pressure with their front four. And I mean, we'll get into this more as we get towards draft time, but. How Christian Wilkins is not considered a top five pick, I can't figure this out. This guy dominated, dominated the defensive tackle position. He He was in the backfield all night long. Yep. And, I mean, if he had Dexter Lawrence next to him, and, and that's the other thing. Everybody made a big deal about it. Oh, Clemson doesn't have Dexter Lawrence. He's a top guy. Yeah, for most teams, that would matter. They replaced him with a senior who's a third round a projected third round pick, and he never stepped on the field. <laughs> I mean, this is that's how dominant that roster was, mm-hmm. and that's why I told you at the beginning of the year, Clemson has they have the the horses that they can run with Alabama. Yeah, when everybody said you nobody did. can match Alabama, nobody can match them. 
I said, this team can because they have that defense. They have that we, defensive front. We both said that Clemson can not only run with Alabama, but outrun Alabama. We said that at the top of the year. And then you throw, then you throw in all the stuff Clemson did on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, who this, this? Everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. How about the wide receiver, true freshman John Ross? Yes, <laughs> that guy. He made a name for himself. That guy torched Alabama, and I mean badly. And they they couldn't stop him deep. They couldn't stop him on screen passes. They could not stop him at all. And then you look at, then you look at the other big time Clemson player is uh, ATN. Mm-hmm. I mean, they rarely get when they gave him the ball. He got eight, eight or nine yards. A pop. I mean, that was compl- It was Clemson was all over Alabama from the jump. And you have to look at the third play of the game, and you have to say that play set the avalanche in motion for Clemson. The third play of the game, uh, Tua throws a pick six. Clemson immediately on top, seven to nothing. Now, granted, it was 14-13 at the end of the first quarter, but I really believe that pick six set the avalanche in motion for the Clemson Tigers. Well, what it did... What that did was it, it just showed Clemson that hey, we don't have to, we can sit back in zone. We can sit back in our zone and right. we can figure this out. And they kept saying, you know, oh, Clemson's in man coverage. They were in zone the whole time. It just looked like man coverage because they were just sitting there watching everything that was going on. And to that point, the best coach, the best coach on the sidelines in that national championship game, it was not on Alabama's sideline. Nope. It was not the head coach of Clemson, the best coach in college football. I've said this for a couple of years now, was Brent Venables. Mm-hmm. Brent Venables had a plan. He stuck to it, and his kids did so much. His, his kids followed that plan so well. They had Tua did not know what he was looking at. He didn't know what he was getting at the snap of the ball, and that caused every everything to just snowball on him. Yeah, and I don't, you know, we talk about this all the time, and about well, this job's open. Who who's gonna who are they gonna get to as head coach to replace whatever? How Brent Venables is not the first call you make. I I don't I don't understand. If I was in charge of any any team. This is NFL, uh, college. I, I don't. I don't care where you are. The first call would be Brent Venables. What do you want? How can we make this happen? Speaking of interviews, you know another coach that's going to get a lot of interview requests and probably won't take all of them. It won't take most of them, if not take not take all of them. And I think you know the name I'm going to throw at you. Pat Fitzgerald. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's been speculated for for a lot of uh, jobs, especially NFL jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I, th- I think he I think he's in that. Uh, him and Jeff Brom are in the same. But again, Pat Fitzgerald is going to get the same kind of 
he's going to get washed under because especially NFL jobs, Mm -hmm. because they're going to say, Oh, he's a defensive coach. We don't want a defensive coach. Right. Which is ridiculous. It is. It is ridiculous. Pat Fitzgerald is a complete coach. Next year will be his fourth. If you can believe it, it'll be his 14th year at Northwestern. He stayed longer than Gary Barnett did, longer than Randy Walker did. In fact, he took over for Randy Walker when Randy Walker unfortunately passed during the 2005 season. And he has proven to be the guy at Northwestern. He has proven to be the coach that they have desperately needed. And they came within an eyelash and 21 points of taking the purple to Pasadena for a second time. But as you said, Deets, He's going to get washed under yet again, and I don't think he cares. He has his home. He's a born and raised Chicagoan, played at Sandburg High School, played for the Northwestern Wildcats and Gary Barnett. So he's very familiar, and he was the defensive coordinator, if memory serves me correctly. So he's very familiar with the culture that Gary Barnett started establishing in 1992. Yeah, he's... He's not going to leave for another college job. The only thing he would get is is if an NFL team came calling because that money, the money the NFL can offer is, I mean, it's just in another ballpark. It is. So, but as far as comfort goes, he he's he's gonna he's gonna stick around. And we talked about this in our Big Ten preview yep. of people who said, "Oh, we got to get Pat Fitzgerald out of here." Like. No, all that talk is crazy. He's never going to leave. And I I told you this after I saw after the bowl game, after I saw Northwestern beat Utah in their bowl game, I I told you this. I know why Pat Fitzgerald's not going to get a lot. It's because he looks like one of the players. He does. (laughs) He was right in the middle of everything, jumping around it. It, I, that's when I, that's when I got a true respect for what, Pat Fitzgerald does mm-hmm. because he was right in the middle celebrating with his team. He does he does it the right way. So and you to bring on your point, he'll be the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten. Absolutely. That's crazy. And I mean, the only other one is Kirk Ferentz and mm-hmm. at Iowa. And that's not that's not gonna be, you know, Kirk Ferentz isn't gonna be around forever. Pat Fitzgerald will be around a lot longer longer than Kirk Ferentz will. And I love your point. He looks like one. He still looks like he can put on that number 51 jersey and knock some heads around. That's how in shape Pat Fitzgerald is, and he won't be looked at because of that. He looks like one of the players. Second only to Kirk Ferentz as far as tenure goes of coaches in the Big Ten. You talk about a coach that's had an impact. It's Pat Fitzgerald. Period. Absolutely, and it, it's it's the same thing. I mean, I don't know if it's kind of the same thing, but I mean, it, it kind of, it kind of fits the mold of Brent Venables. People overlook the defensive. They don't look at the defensive coaches as being, you know, we hear a lot about Sean McVay's and these kinds of offensive gurus that right. oh, they run they run a diff, they run a different offense the guys on the defensive side are doing so much to stop those offenses mm-hmm. and they don't get looked at by any means 
And I can't say it enough. Brent Venables to me is the is the best coach in college football. Yeah. And you you couple that with Dabo, that's why Clemson that's why Clemson's a juggernaut. Because they have the two they have two of the best two of the top five coaches in college football on their sideline. And I've been told by sources that Brent Venables doesn't even field calls for head coaching jobs because he likes what he does. Mm-hmm. So, so Brent Venable and, and Pat Fitzgerald are in the same boat. They like I, what they I do. Mean, I mean, I would I would open the wallet if I if I was a college team, I would open the vault and just say, "What do you want? We'll give you a John Gruden ten year mm-hmm. guaranteed contract. I don't care." Like I, I would do anything I could to get that guy on my sidelines. Well, well, to borrow that, well, to play on that point, that's what Northwestern did for not only Pat Fitzgerald but for Chris Collins, blue collar coaches. That's that's what they need to do. Well, speaking of coaches, Cliff Kingsbury fired from Texas Tech. And then hired as an NFL coach in Arizona. What the hell is up with that? I I I don't. I, I can't. I can't explain this. I, I can't. Ex- <laughs> I can't. I can't explain it other than maybe. I, I mean, Arizona. I I don't want to get down on a guy already, but maybe right. Arizona just wants to lose. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand this. I don't either. You, you have a guy who got fired from his alma mater mm-hmm. because he couldn't win enough games in the Big 12. Which is offense and, all and, over the place as it is. And you want to bring him to the NFL where he can't get his players. He'll have to get whoever is available mm-hmm. to run his system. I mean, this it, it just it, it makes no sense. This is a guy who... I, all, all love to Cl- to Cliff Kingsbury. He played played the game perfectly, apparently, yeah. because he went from being fired as a coach in college to an NFL job. I still don't understand I mean, how the hell most, that happened. Most people go from coaching a good team in college to an NFL. He went from coaching a bad team to an NFL job, so he played it perfect. He really did, but. But you, you you listen to all the analysis of this since since it's been announced and people saying, Well, he did coach Baker Mayfield. He did coach Pat Mahomes. He had those guy he he had those guys and couldn't win games. Mm-hmm. I mean it, and you want to talk people want to throw Baker Mayfield. Uh, he found Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you know what he also did? He ran Baker Mayfield out of town. Mm-hmm. He said he had Baker Mayfield as a walk-on and ran him out of town. Couldn't get him out of town fast enough. That Baker Mayfield went to Oklahoma. A Texas kid went from Texas to Oklahoma. To Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, so, and and then you you couple that to the NFL. The NFL, that's what the NFL is. The NFL is about recognizing talent and keeping them. Yeah. Not running. He, his talent runs away from him. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And now you get into an NFL where defenses are a lot better. Defense is so much more important. You have a guy who would win games 
75 to 70. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely crazy. <sighs> and crazy is only the, the smallest part of it. Chris Dietz on the line with me, courtesy of our new wireless carrier, Verizon Wireless. The NFL Rookie of the Year is going to come down to a vote, and I had a chance to sleep on and think about what you told me off the air about who the true NFL Rookie of the Year is. And after seeing what Andrew Luck has been able to do, I am now in agreement that it is left guard Quentin Nelson of the Colts. He, uh, one of my one of my buddy one one of my my all time favorite people in the world, my my old uh, youth coach, Coach Capone, brought this to my attention after the game on Sunday. I'll tell you when Quentin Nelson won Rookie of the Year when he pancaked. Jadavian Clowney three yep. yards into the end zone mm-hmm. and basically picked him up and slammed him into the ground. Oh yeah. That to me was the ultimate statement. Like this guy's for real, but to bring all of that home, I mean, this is going to be another, a, another AP disaster. <laughs> you know, it is, or, you know, it is. Gonna, they're going to go with Saquon Barkley or, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yeah. Probably Baker Mayfield because he's he's the quarterback. But I mean And he's the flashier of the two. You could argue with Sa- Saquon Saquon Barkley's really the only argument because he had a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving. Okay. All of that you can say, okay. I I, I, I gotcha. Here's Quentin Nelson. Here's here's the only thing you could say about him. Quentin Nelson was first team. All Amer- first team All Pro, first team All NFL mm-hmm. at guard. It, it's and and you just go down the list. Is is Baker Mayfield the best quarterback in the NFL? No, he's not. No. Is Saquon Barkley the best running back in the NFL? No. No, he's not. Is Quentin Nelson the best guard in the NFL? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> So it, it it only it only says rookie rookie of the year guy was the best ever and and, and for, one of the authors of Andrew Luck's historic comeback season for all of your for all of your listeners out there in the middle of the country I know there's a lot of Bears fans where you are here's all you need to know the last guy to be all pro as a rookie was Gale Sayers Gale Sayers. <laughs> Quentin Nelson has done something that only Gale Sayers has done. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. That's all they should be looking at and like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. And they, yeah. they kept they kept saying it all broadcast in the Colts game. They kept saying it time and after he time. Helped Qu- Quentin them. Nelson is a beast. Quentin he- Nelson Quentin Nelson is, is leading this offensive line. Yeah. He he dominated that game. And he helped them pick apart the Houston Texans on the road in a wild card game. That is crazy. That is crazy. All right. Everybody's asking this question, and I definitely want to get your opinion on this as we continue this Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Where does Antonio Brown go next? uh, I I think... 
he's he's eventually they're they're gonna keep him in Pittsburgh. It, it's you think so? I th- I th- I think th- I think so. There's no way you can get you you can't get equal value for him. There's no way to do that. Um, and I I think when when push comes to shove, people are gonna look at that organization and they're gonna say, "Are we better with Antonio Brown and his craziness, or are we worse without him?" They're much better with him, mm-hmm. and. Antonio Brown is going to say the same thing. Am I better going to another organization or am I better here with Big Ben, with Juju, with uh, all the weapons that they have? That's the best place for him to stay. So when push comes to shove, they're going to they're going to muscle the you know, they're going to talk tough and then sit down and figure it out. Cuz really, I mean just from a just from a a fan perspective if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you you just watched your team basically get rid of Le'Veon Bell yeah now you're going to watch your team get rid of, of Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown you just lost two of your best players mm-hmm. i mean and big ben he, he who knows what he's going to do? He's one day he says he's going to retire, and the next day he says he's going to play for the next five years. So, if they get rid of Antonio Brown, it's probably more likely that Ben Roethlisberger says, "I'm not sticking around for this." So you could be losing all three of your guys, Bell, Brown, and Big Ben, in one fell swoop. Not the way you want to lose the killer bees if you're Pittsburgh. And one more question. And I've thought of this, and I know you've uh, mentioned a couple of names briefly. Who are some quarterbacks that need to go? Well, you can start. You can start right at right at the front. Um, we saw. We we basically saw one quarterback on Sunday get pretty much kicked to the curb, and that's Joe in Flacco. Baltimore. That's in Baltimore. You, you, you could tell Joe Flacco's <clears throat> done. Yeah. Because they didn't even – they knew all their only chance was to throw the ball. And they were like, nope, we're not going to the guy who can throw the ball. So no. you know Flacco's out in Baltimore. Um, other – I've talked about big-name quarterbacks like Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. He's probably done in uh, Cincinnati. Um, Ryan Tannehill's done – in uh miami yeah you've got uh i don't know what tampa bay is thinking about that quarterback um they if seem anything. to they seem to still like Jameis winston i don't know how i don't know what i don't know what they look at to somehow justify that but he should be gone from there um but i mean there are going to be big time quarterbacks that are on the market and, and that's one thing I was just having a discussion with a buddy of mine earlier. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, which, you know, with Dwayne Haskins entering into the NFL draft, Dwayne Haskins need, needs to be a top priority for a lot of teams. I, I'm seriously, there are going to be guys available who you could say, all right, we'll bring this guy in for one, two years. Mm-hmm. And 2020 is going to be a quarterback. There's going to be like 10 quarterbacks yeah. drafted in the first round. Yeah. 
if you need a quarterback, your best bet this year is to stock up whatever you need besides quarterback. Yeah. And then go into 2020 and have your pick of the litter of Tua, Jake Fromm, uh, Herbert from Oregon. Mackenzie um, Milton. You're going to have McKenzie. Well, Mackenzie Milton, we still don't know. I, I, I have an inside source at UCF that says his rehab is not going as well as planned. Oh, boy. So what he may do, he has a redshirt year available. He may redshirt next year and then play his senior year. Yeah, that would be good. That that would be good that's, so he can get that's himself what I, really that's ready. What I, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Plus, if I'm if I were to advise him, I would say you have a redshirt year, do it because when you come out in 2021, you don't have to deal with all that. <laughs> you don't have to deal with the nine other quarterbacks. Yeah. And you know, you'll, he would you'll be on the short list rather than that long list that's coming out. And he would be at the tail end of that long list. Let me throw one quarterback at you before we wrap up this segment of who needs to go. And I'm going to put it in the form of a question, and I'm going to let you answer it. The name is Matthew Stafford. <laughs> the, 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 thing, the thing about the line, it's so tough because Matthew Stafford is such a good quarterback. And the offense, the, the Lions are built around Matthew Stafford. So really, if you get rid of Matthew Stafford, you're basically saying we have to overhaul this entire team. Mm -hmm. And people want to say, oh, Matthew Stafford is just a stat builder. But if you look at the Lions in close games, you look at them when they, when they, when they trail by a field goal or less – in the last two minutes, Matthew Stafford usually pulls those games out. Yeah. So you know he's a you know he's a good quarterback. You know he's got got the talent. They just don't have anything around him. Yeah. And that's they have scary. I mean, this year they traded away gold. They traded away his best player, Golden Tate. I, I mean, how are you going to do anything? And and they still haven't recovered from losing Megatron. Right. They tried to cover it up with Golden Tate, but. Golden Tate is not even not even half of what Calvin Johnson is. Mm -hmm. So, really, where are you where are you looking to get? Where are you looking at Matthew Stafford to be as good as he is? Matthew Stafford needs a lot of help around him, mm -hmm. but I, I do trust in Matthew Stafford. I I tr I would trust him. Do I trust him as the contract they gave him as one of the highest paid players? No, no, but. At the market at that time, that's what it dictated, and he played it perfect. Yeah. Now you have to now you have to build with him. I would I, I would caution getting rid of Matthew Stafford because if he hit the market, he would be signed maybe an hour before he even signed even before he was released. Before he was released, he would be with a new team. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Christie's joining me to kick off this Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Don't forget, next week we'll come to you live from Terre Haute, Indiana, and the Holman Student Union. The kids come back to class, and we come back to air for a full two hours beginning Monday. All of our guests appear via the, the Verizon Wireless Hotline. When it's wireless, it's Verizon. Verizon Wireless, the best. Dates, always a pleasure, my friend. We're going to get back on a regular schedule, I promise. Just had to... 
get some pieces put in place, and they're just about in place, um, ready to take some call, calls from the fans. So let your folks know they can they can call in, and you're doing a wonderful job with the Fifth Down Sports Show. I love replaying it on the network. Some very fiery stuff. I appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure, and you know we're always available. Always, always available to talk sports with you. All right, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. All right, thank you, buddy. Well, that'll take care of the first half of Snowman in the Morning. But when we come back, I'll have Mike debate on, and we're going to debate who's going to do what in the form of the NFL Division playoffs. So stick around, y'all. It's the second half of Snowman in the Morning, the Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Don't forget, beginning Monday, we'll come to you live from Terre Haute, Indiana, and the Holman Student Union. Stay tuned. More Snowman in the Morning after this. <laughs> 